today on CityCast Salt Lake. I've been really curious how local musicians are faring these days. With venues reopening, but the pandemic raging on, we called up folk singer-songwriter Alicia Stockman to get the pulse. She's a Salt Laker who just put out an album and is back on the circuit playing her dream venue, The State Room, this Thursday. It's Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Alicia, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I want to talk about your new album. I want to talk about all the things that are going on for you right now. But first, I want to start with a little bit of the history of how you got here. I hate to dial us back to this moment in time because it sucked. But like we're in May 2020. We're realizing that the pandemic is not going to be one month long. Venues are starting to close. You're an independent performer and artist. Where are you at? What's your headspace in that moment? Ooh, great question. Um, so February 2020, I had just completed one of my, I guess, really my first like real tour where I actually like made some money on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I toured in Texas. I did like nine shows in 11 days in Texas. And I got home from that and I spent so much time booking that tour. And I got home and I was like, okay, what's next? And I was like having an existential crisis of like what to do with myself next. And then the universe kind of decided for me within the next few weeks that I, the answer was nothing. Right. And um, I remember going through some phases of, of, I call it the reckoning. I had like f- a several different moments of like sitting back and thinking, now how do I function in this space? Yeah, the first one was kind of a more panic-stricken one. The second one was like, okay, what am I going to do with all this time? And then the third one was like, how do I be flexible in all of these crazy things and we're learning how to just take everything with a grain of salt. Um, But yeah, so one of those things that came out of that in between the first and second reckoning, I guess, was I have all these songs. I've been playing a bunch of shows and traveling and go, 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 go all the time. And now I have all these songs that need my time and attention and I have the time. So I put my attention towards all these songs that I had written and um, editing them and getting them ready to record. And then um, I started working with a producer. She started as my like songwriting mentor and then graduated to being my producer. And we decided to make an album. And that was what I did with my free time, which then I no longer had free time once I decided to start that project. So, yeah, I filled my time up quickly. So you looked this situation in the face and you were like, I'm leaning into this industry. I'm here for this industry. I'm going to record an album. Yeah. And, and I think weird as it sounds, there was this moment after the first reckoning that was like a little bit of relief because I had been so busy that it was nice. And I feel like a lot of other artists at the same time were like, oh, I get to breathe for a moment. And you get to like lean into the craft part of being a songwriter. Because I think a lot of time, you know, we have to run our Facebook pages and our Instagrams and our TikToks and our email database and book our own shows and do all the things. And Um, all the unglamorous, unsexy parts of being a musician. And that was a really nice time to just like sit down and be like, I get to be really picky about my songs right now. So it was really nice to be like, okay, let's do this. Let's put my name on the map. Let's put myself into the mix with a full length uh, LP. Tell me about the process of making an album. Did you feel really supported by the community in that process because everyone was kind of like taking a breather? Oh, absolutely. So 
It's interesting because I actually recorded my album in Nashville. Um, but that being said, I, in order to fund my record, I did a Kickstarter project and um, was able to raise enough money for the album plus some promotional money. And most of that came from my community. And uh, I really felt like not just my hometown, but Salt Lake and the Utah area really helped prop me up for that. And so um, when I did my album release party in November, I made sure that it was in my hometown because of all the people in my town who helped me make the album. So I never thought of it as like, oh, you gave me money and now I'm going to make this album. Like we're making an album together because I could not have done it without them. Yeah. Well, and Salt Lake loves music. I mean, like, a lot of people underestimate our music scene here, but it's I think it's really powerful and it's really important to people that live here. Oh, I agree a thousand percent. Um, I think we have really passionate music fans in Utah, especially in Salt Lake, and we have some awesome venues that I think encourage that. I mean, some of the artists that come through like the stateroom and the depot and stuff, it's awesome. Like it's amazing the opportunities we have to see shows here. And um, I think that we have people who come out to see those shows and they're very passionate. They stand in the front row, they sing along, like they buy the tickets, they buy the merch, and they're very passionate about engaging in music in this town. Are there Utah or Salt Lake stories in your album? Just Checking In is a song that I wrote um, about when I lived in Park City. So after college, I moved to Park City and did the ski bomb life. And that song has a lot of references to like personal details about I lived in this uh I called it the slanty house. And it was like one of those old minor shacks in Park City, like close to the ski lifts. And that song's about like the friendships I made in that town. And like that was totally my 20s, like coming of age, like establishing who you are in relationships with people. And the song itself is about the evolution of friendship. Um, and and so much of that is rooted like in place in Park City, like specifically at this house and like I have when I play the song I have like a lot of vivid memories of like being in Park City and being around that area would you be willing to sing a little bit of it I could sing that one yeah okay okay give me one second Like a ship. Two girls in our 20s trying to pinch pennies with our street corner living room set. We never watered the lawn and we pissed off the neighbors, but the rent, it always got paid. And waxing nostalgic, I wanted to tell you, you're the only one who can relate. That's amazing. Um, who taught you to play guitar? I did. You <laughs> the did? internet. <laughs> so back in the early thousands, there was this website called Olga.net. Every, I'm hoping that someday when I bring up this story that someone's going to be like, I remember Olga, but it was like pre, it was like right around the Napster era when like licensing was an issue and Olga got shut down for like copyright violation. Okay. But before it got shut down, I would just like look up songs on Olga and, um, teach myself and like learn how to read tablature and and like dink around on guitar until I figured out how to make it sound like the record. <laughs> wow. You're a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
Thank you. Thank you. I feel I like pride in that. Everything about your story is like, so I decided to do this. So I decided <laughs> to learn this. So I threw myself at this. And it's sticking. It seems like it's sticking. It's it's sticking. I feel like I'm getting more confident in my hustling skills. And I'm just like right now I'm booking tour dates and I'm just like, let's just see what happens. Let's see how far I can go and, and where I can end up and see if I can make some money along the way. How are audiences? Like, are the crowds just rolling with it? Happy to be here? Yeah, I think uh, 2021 taught me how grateful people are for live music and um they're really excited about live music and I think having that taken away for so long people are showing up very passionately and attentively what do you want people to take away from your music or learn from it I think like I try to make my songs as relatable I don't want to say like broadly relatable but like specific situation. So I'm trying to tell my story through these experiences and hoping that somewhere along the line, someone can be like, oh yeah, I know how that feels. And create some empathy that it's like, I see you, I've been there. And by and in doing that, like I have to be a bit vulnerable in order for people to also feel safe, feeling vulnerable in those moments. So I think that's just, you know, it might not be a grand scale Taylor Swift sized mission, but if I get people who feel like, oh, yeah, that song really speaks to me, I'm like, I did it. And if I can make them cry, I'll, I'll leave. that's like a bonus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I feel like the Taylor Swift mission is to make her ex-boyfriends cry <laughs> through revenge I mean, songs. So. I, won't, I won't act like I've never written a song of that nature. <laughs> <laughs> a revenge ballad. A little like, I think I told someone once, I have a song called The Problem, and it's a breakup song. And I told my ex, I'm like, I'm Taylor Swifting you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I hope it goes platinum. And I was like, oh, that's good. Oh, well, that sounds like nicer than what John Mayer might say to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I have to wonder, you bring up empathy, and I have to wonder if that's one of the reasons that we've missed live music so much in these past few years, because it is such a conductor for empathy. And if there is anything that we need, I think in this moment in our world, it's more empathy. And so I'm excited to see artists coming back to the stage. And I've been to a couple shows, mostly outdoor, but I think I'm ready to go to indoor venues again now. And I, um, it's such an important part of our community and we've all just like missed it. We're craving it. We need it. Oh, absolutely. I got to see uh, John Craigie at the, at OP Rockwell in Park City the other night. And it was so nice because he's a singer-songwriter, guy with a guitar, telling stories. And I'm like, yes, like, this is the dream. Like, you're doing the thing. that, And it reminded me of why we do what we do. And I'm looking around at this room full of people who are engaged and listening to every joke and story. And I'm like, yes, this is why we do what we do. And so that was just a nice reminder that, you know, it's alive and well and people are craving it. And, and there is purpose and intent to this job that sometimes makes me feel like a crazy person, but I'm glad that it exists. <laughs> it's interesting because there's a lot of talk right now, I think about like Spotify and I'm curious as an up and coming artist, what's your relationship with some of those streaming platforms? As independent artists, like I spent the fall promoting my album coming out. I had three singles that came out and then the album and I had a publicist that I hired. And a lot of her job was to try and get my songs, my singles onto curated playlists so that we could increase visibility and listenership and new audiences and of course streams and for the first time in my life I actually have enough money in my distro kid account which is my music distributor to cash out I have two hundred and twenty two dollars from streaming (laughs) so 
the Spotify thing is hard because it's I've been paying attention to the discourse or the yeah the discourse on it and um for me like I have worked so hard to get my music to a point that I can share it like I was very very proud the day that I got to release this album on Spotify and then I'm like Joni Mitchell don't make me take it down right <laughs> yeah and I'm like it sucks like and then I was listening to a lot of information about the relationship between like Spotify and Joe Rogan specifically and how that's very different than just like it's it's just it's so different than what I have like I am not a Spotify exclusive artist I am a scrapper I am a, I am not um if you want to listen to my music on YouTube for free or SoundCloud for free or you want me to send you a CD for free cuz you don't have the money I will do that if you all that matters to me is that you want to listen to my music I think that's amazing I will make it happen however you want me to make it happen and just it just so happens to be it's one of those like necessary evils where it's like so many people use Spotify that I'm like, I can't not be there right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. But yeah, that makes sense to me. It's unfortunate that it has to feel like an either or. But, you know, yeah, until I am coveted by Spotify in a way that they want an exclusive relationship with me and then I have to make some sort of politically charged decision, I, I'm going to just not worry about it. Right. Until you have all the leverage at Spotify in a $200 million contract, which Alicia, I absolutely wish for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that your concert on Thursday is a smashing success and that you have so much fun playing the stateroom and that the crowd has just as much, if not more fun than you watching you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Meet me at the table if you're ready to talk. You got something I want, babe, that can't be bought. I'll make you an offer. Too good to be real. And if it ain't good enough, babe, in the deal. You can catch Alicia at the Stateroom this Thursday night, opening for Steve Poltz. It's 21 and up, and you'll need your proof of vaccine to enter. I can't believe we've been doing this show for so long, and this is our first musical guest. I promise we will have more Salt Lake artists on in the future. If there's an artist, poet, maker, or musician you love in this city, please email us a heads up at saltlake.citycast.fm. A little news before we go. The Great Resignation is raging in Salt Lake City. I had two friends just this week quit to start new jobs, and I'm sure you've got some too. Or maybe you quit recently, in which case, congratulations. Here are a few other Utahns that have had it this week. Senator Janie Iwamoto and Representatives Merrill Nelson, Mike Winder, Tim Hawks, and Lowry Snow, who are not seeking re-election to the legislature, Postal service workers in the Local 6 union who told the Salt Lake Tribune the frustration of the job is mounting and a number of them are, quote, at their breaking point. 93% of Utah Education Association members say they're likely to leave the profession after this school year. That's according to the association's president, Heidi Matthews. And I think if you're keeping up with some of this education news, it's pretty easy to understand why. 
I also think it's important that when we celebrate the power of the quit, we acknowledge that most people would prefer not to. They'd prefer a dignified wage and healthcare, time off, and a predictable schedule. And I promise there will be more talk to come on this show about unionization efforts in the Valley because I think that's a big part of the solution, no doubt. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. Don't forget to vote for your favorite Salt Lake music venues in the first elimination round of our Madness Bracket. You can find it in the newsletter and you can subscribe to the newsletter at saltlake.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. All right, let's see. Let's see how this sounds. Okay, it's good enough for public school. (laughs) That's right.